welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. And before we start, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying BC the Beatles, please feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. You can also email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. And shout out to everybody who has sent us a lovely email during our little hiatus. Okay, not so little hiatus, but, you know, while we've been away, we've got some good stuff. We're going to be posting some of it on our socials, so look out for it there. But before we do, Allison, I have a question for you. Uh-oh, what? Do you want to get back? Do you want to get back? I don't have the uh, Abe drum intro to that after Paul says that, but (laughs) yes, I want to get back. And I'm so glad we got back. Just like Paul, BC the Beatles got back. (laughs) Just like Paul, when we were talking about making our big comeback, um, Eric, (laughs) you texted me and you were like, well, you know what we have to call it. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) we have to call it. I, I don't know what's worse that got back or freshen up as like a fucking name that Paul's come up with for his tours. I still hate freshen up. I still think of toothpaste. I do too. And um, let's not talk about the set list and a term like freshen up in the same sentence if we're still talking oh. about this set list. So no. Burn. No. Sorry. Sick, sick burn. Oh my God. Yeah, we're going to talk about the set list. Uh, we're going to talk today about, we're coming back, talking about Paul on tour. I saw both shows Last weekend in Oakland, we're recording this the night after he played L.A. Did not go to that one, sadly, but got lots of scoopage. We're going to talk about, yeah, set lists. We're going to talk about ticket prices. We're going to talk about everything you want to talk about. But before we do a little bit of housekeeping, since we're back, giveaways, guys, are also back. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to our website, bcthebeatles.com, and you can find out how to enter our giveaways, enter to win some fun prizes, some fun Beatly prizes. Super duper easy. There's lots of ways to enter. So go ahead and do that. And we'll be choosing our next winner right around Polly's 80th birthday. Can you can you believe we're talking about his 80th birthday? No. <laughs> Holy shit. And that date is June 18th, 2022. If you don't know already. It's coming up. It's wild. I can't believe it's already May. Where has the time gone? And this is our first episode since November, since Get Back came out. Just like when our podcast started, we did it because of Paul, because he had just released Egypt Station, because he was doing all that cryptic stuff online. And so we started this podcast. So it is only fitting that Paul gets back. And so do we. Yes, we don't have like a a numerical calendar. We don't run on that stuff. Nope. We we run on Paul calendar. So it's like the cycles of the moon. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the Cerulean or whatever. It's nah. Nope. It's all Paul. But you know, since, since we've been away, I just want to mention something really quick that really has nothing to do with the Beatles, but it was definitely a reason why I felt like I needed a big old break from whatever I could get a break from, including Christmas, kind of wrecked the holidays. I just want to mention, uh, we'd lost Michael Nesmith mm. December 10th, and it was one of the worst things ever. I had just seen the monkeys on their last date of their tour in LA at the Greek theater weeks before that. And Nez seemed to be in very good spirits. There's a lot written about his health going into the tour throughout the tour, but I had seen, I think three shows on that tour here in the Southern California area. And then I went to Graceland, saw him in Memphis and then 
the last show at the Greek. And he just got better and better. He got stronger and stronger. He was loving the tour. He really, really, really finally embraced his role as a monkey. And then, you know, three weeks after that last show, uh, you know, we lost him. And as sad as it is, it was a beautiful ending for him. I think it was really fulfilling that last tour, but God damn, it fucking sucked. Yeah. <laughs> he died. It was awful. And, you know, in my career, I was very, very lucky to get to interview him once. And I met him a bunch of times, but he was right up there for me with Paul, with everybody, with John Sebastian, another one of my favorites. And that was a really hard thing to go through last mm. uh, last December and into the new year. So we can definitely talk more about Nez, maybe in a future episode, about his association with the Beatles. You can hear him on the Sgt. Pepper box set. You know, in one of the backing tracks for A Day in the Life, he was at those sessions. He was friends with John. He stayed with John and Cynthia at their house in Weybridge. And obviously, there's lots of monkeys and Beatles association trivia facts and all that kind of stuff. His figure loomed large. And um, it was a real, real loss. Real loss. Still is. Yeah, that, that's really hard. And for those yeah. of us who weren't really enmeshed in what was going on, it seems like he was fine. With every performance, he was getting stronger and stronger. And then by the end, he was standing for the whole time and he was joking and he was singing really strong. And, and you know, it was it was a total shock. Oh, yeah. No, me too. Me too. And I like I had a moment at the Greek theater where I was I was lucky enough throughout the show to kind of like move up into the pit. And I just remember watching him walk off stage and just I just watched him. I watched him till the last second when he disappeared, you know, and he was kind of shuffling off, moving a little slowly. But I was just like, I think this is going to be the last time I ever see him. I think it will. Yeah. And it was so sad. But I was really grateful later that I sort of had that presence of mind to think that so I could just watch him and just be like, you know, thank you, you know, sort of uh, trying to communicate it by osmosis, but be, you know, really just so grateful the monkeys were I loved, I was a monkeys fan before I was a Beatles fan. I don't know if I've really talked about that on this podcast. I may have talked about that when you know we had Andrew Sandoval on who is the monkeys manager and really the historian the keeper of the legend as it were, but I loved him for so long and I never thought I get to see him ever perform because he didn't perform for decades, you know, so many years. And then he started finally coming out of his shell about 10 years ago and going on solo tours and touring with the monkeys and that kind of thing. And that changed my life. You know, I'm just so grateful. So, so incredibly grateful to have gotten to see him play his solo music and with the monkeys and, certainly get to interview him and get to meet him in person you know like yeah. that it just blows my mind that it actually got to happen and he was a real tour de force and a talent like no other and it just yeah it's still it's still really hard sometimes <laughs> to realize he's gone but I would be remiss if I did not mention that at the top of the show because I think a lot of us in the community too were kind of feeling it and so if you are missing Nez, you're not alone, because I am too. Yeah, it was a big, big loss. Yeah. But on to, you know, more cheery topics, because, you know, I could talk about Nez all day, good and bad and funny and the other. But let's talk, because we've got two Beatles on tour, Crazy Town. Paul, which of course we have said, <laughs> and we're here for, yes. but also Ringo. Yes, also Ringo. Ringo, sorry. <laughs> Paul steals your thunder, like 99% of the time about everything, and he's going to do it again. <laughs> Uh, but Ringo is also on tour with the All-Star Band. So, and they have a lot of dates. I was just checking them out. Damn, Ringo is a busy dude. And he's older than Paul. Holy shit. 
Go you, Ringo. And he has never looked better. His fucking hair. Oh my god. Yeah, his hair is a totally new look for him with that little sweepy side over thing that he's doing. So cheeky. I know. know. There's some debate on whether he's, you know, wearing a wig. I don't think so. It looks real to me. I don't think so. Yeah, it looks looks authentic. Looks like Ringo just sort of did what we all did and grew our hair during the pandemic. He always had the hair. There's no reason that if you had your hair short, your hair wouldn't grow. So I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be his hair. It's just biology. Yeah, he had a hairline. If you have a hairline, your hair continues to grow out. So I think it's his hair. I love our science podcast. This is great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We love science. And, you know, Paul, I guess while we're on the topic of hair, I really wish Paul would have just like kept Silver Maca. I was very sad when I saw him last weekend. I'm just like, I just really wish you would have just kept that fucking amazing silver look you had going on, Paul. He's not doing the full Auburn. Like memory almost full. Yeah, Yeah, we're not there. So we're just kind of at a highlighting stage. That's cool. Yeah, it's. A, I guess so. You know, Paul, as long as you feel good about yourself, I guess that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the meat and potatoes because I have a lot of thoughts about seeing Paul in Oakland. I guess we should do a caveat, huh? For those who want to skip the spoilers. Yes, we will be talking about the concerts. We will be talking about the set lists. If you are trying to keep yourself unspoiled for that, please take a look at the show notes and skip over to the time code where we are no longer talking about these things. But for those of you who want to know every detail, here we go. So, here we go. <laughs> here we go. All right, buckle in, guys. So I, like I said, the two shows in Oakland, uh, May 6th and May 8th. I guess we should start with like what everybody always asks me. The very first thing, it's insane. They're like, how is his voice? Because that's what everybody's talking about online, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's, uh, yeah. a great, it's a huge reason why... I mean, I don't like Facebook for a lot of reasons, but it's a big reason why I don't spend much time there at all anymore. Every time I I even attempt to log on, there's this conversation and I just don't even want to see it. It's so dumb. And, you know, everybody has an opinion, of course. And I've seen so many friends talking about it, too. So I didn't really know. And I, you know, I sort of had that in the back of my mind going into these shows. So I was like, I don't know, like, it's still Paul. It's still going to be great. But I got to say, I didn't really notice much difference between his voice the last time I saw him, which I think was when you and I saw him in 2017. I don't think I saw him in 2019. And, you know, what I saw a week ago, I don't I didn't think there was that big of a difference. Did he sound shaky on some songs? Yeah, absolutely. Like there, he had some moments, but I think he probably always did. <laughs> you know, we all or he's just a human being. But there were other times where I thought he sounded amazing, particularly on some of his acoustic songs like he does here today, which like I wish he'd retire it. But that's a whole other story. Um, but he sounded great on it. His voice was beautiful. I think if he took Maybe I'm Amazed and um, Helter Skelter also, it's just please get rid of that, Paul. But if he would take those two and maybe change the key or drop it down a little bit, it might be easier for him. As far as I can tell, he still does everything in the original key, mm-hmm. which is crazy. He probably has written a thousand songs. Just swap it out for something that's in your range. No big deal. Right. I Yeah, I was having a conversation today with a friend of mine who was at the LA show last night. And we were both like, why doesn't he do more from like 
chaos and creation in the backyard like some of those that are like more piano based or i would love to hear fine line hey Mm -hmm. that would be great and that would be perfect for his voice you know his philosophy that he is always playing to the people who have never really seen him before you know these shows aren't Mm -hmm. really for us which is why he makes that comment about like i know everyone always goes to get a drink when it's time for the new stuff but we're gonna play it anyway That's what we want. If it was up to me, I would never hear Hey Jude again, and I would only want to hear deeper cuts. But he's not doing this show for people like me. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody else. I don't remember who it was. Sorry if you're listening and I'm not crediting you for this genius idea. But they were like, he should do, I think it actually, I think it was my friend Drew. So there you go, Drew, you get a shout out. But he's like, he should do like a smaller venue tour of just like the deep cuts. And I'm sure it'd be a million dollars a ticket. But like, I would love, oh my God, that would be insane. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and you know, truthfully, he could probably pack out an arena doing deep cuts because how deep is a Paul McCartney deep cut? You know, unless you're talking about the 80s stuff, like press to play, like, you know, kind of the stuff that gets ignored. You know, he could do even like level two deep cuts, like just a level below, Mm -hmm. you know, live and let die and all that shit. And it would be so incredible. It would. And he would certainly be able to sell out shows like that too. Even more so, I think, because a lot of people... This tour, especially, I think it kind of turned off by the set list because it is the same set list with the addition of the newer songs, which is wonderful to hear live to me. But yeah, the same set list he's been trotting out since like 2017. I saw the first show on the 2017 tour, which is in Fresno. And I remember that was the show where he debuted the In Spite of All the Danger and that sort of like old house shack setup that mm-hmm. gets projected when he does those songs. So it's definitely, but it's like the same set list for sure. And it's frustrating. It's like, Paul, you had two fucking years (laughs) to like revamp your set list. Like, please, like why? I know. And I understand like every new song you put in there, the band has to learn it. The lighting has to be created. The backdrop has to be creative. And if you're only, you know, if you're only doing, what is he doing? Like 12 shows or something this, this time, 15, like maybe you don't want to do that work for a new sh- I, I don't I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but, you know, this band can obviously handle anything he throws at them. So oh, totally throw something else at them. Yeah. Paul was saying on stage at Oakland that they the band he's like, oh, the band was talking backstage and they realized that it was 20 years ago in Oakland that they played their first show together, which I was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> that was really exciting to me because that was my first Paul show was uh, was that Driving Rain tour and uh, or Driving USA, whatever the hell, um, in 2002, um, almost 20 years to the day that I saw Paul because I saw him for the first time on April 29th, 2002. And then I saw him on May 6th. So that was really cool for me. Oh, what a nice little history thing going on there. Yeah, I know. And I, you know, that band is killer. And, you know, Abel Boreal just fills my fucking heart with so much joy. Um, He's so talented. And he just blows my mind every time I see him. Just the way, like, his vocals are insane. Obviously, he's a master percussionist and drummer. You know, he's a little superstar. So that was, you know, I always love seeing that band. They're great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so before we get too far into the set list, so one other thing that has been a real talking point during this whole tour has been the insanity of the ticket prices and parking fees 
this morning, actually, I just posted uh, an article on our Facebook page. So we've been discussing some of the ticket prices and whether they're too high, whether, you know, they're kind of keeping you away or not. I got very lucky. And I'll tell you guys what I did to get two floor tickets for about $500 altogether, which I can't believe it. And I was in the 10th row and the 12th row, respectively, for each show. And StubHub is your friend. I somehow got the ticket for the second night on StubHub for not too much. And then Ticketmaster has been doing drops. So if you're going to a Paul show, keep an eye on Ticketmaster the days leading up to it. They drop tickets. They release tickets every day, every hour. It really depends. I was able to snag a pair of tickets to the May 8th show. So this was on Mother's Day. I had to buy both which is single discrimination, okay? <laughs> like I, t- I wasn't going with anybody. I was going by myself. So each ticket was $3.89. I bought both of them, and I sold the one next to me. I sold it for a nice little profit, uh, but it helped cover my fees. So there's a little life hack for you there because <laughs> those fees are a killer, that's for sure. So it can be done pretty economically for Paul. That's the caveat. Like people who are non like Beatle people, I tell them how much I spend on Paul and they're like, you're insane. And I'm like, no, no, that's actually a good deal. (laughs) It's a really good deal. You don't have to spend that much money. Just today, I saw one of the Florida shows had, you know, nosebleed seats, but they were like $31 each. You have to hunt, you have to be willing to, you know, keep trying and maybe up until the day before the same day. But If you want it, you don't have to spend an arm and the leg. The problem is that they're just so far away. You're basically watching him on a really big jumbotron. The reason for going is a little bit lost if you're that far back. Yeah, it really is all about what you value in these shows. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, obviously, it's a fun experience. I've certainly sat in nosebleeds for Paul. But I think at this point in my life, this part of my fandom, this part of Paul's touring career, it's like... I think if I can't, and I totally recognize my privilege of being able to say this, but if I can't be in a certain location within the stage range, then I'm like, I don't really want to go. And if that sounds snobby, I'm sorry, but it's kind of just where I am in my in my lifetime at the moment. You know what? It's a lot of effort to go to a concert, especially in our not quite post-pandemic times. So you have to do it the way you want to do it or not do it at all, which is how I feel about the people who complain about his voice. If you don't like it, just don't go. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can stay home and watch YouTube from like Wings concerts. Go for it. Or, you know, watch anything else. I recommend Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> watch Severance. <laughs> so good. Uh, I'm so ready for season two. Me too. You can all get into Severance and don't yuck our yum about Paul. Exactly. Yes. Everybody wins. Yeah. Speaking of how, what a pain in the ass it is to go to concerts, everybody is losing their shit over these parking fees, which I totally get. And for Oakland, I didn't drive. I took a lift from my hotel, but it was like, I think the levels were like $40, $70, $100. And then I saw like a super VIP, whatever for $250. Whoa. Yeah. And the Oakland arena is actually not that big. The capacity is like 19,000. And so the parking lot is, this parking situation is not big so i i was like trying to figure out I'm like what is this super duper vip like 250 dollar parking it I, I could not see an advantage of it whatsoever having gotten dropped off from my lift like you know at the entrance to the arena having to walk across the parking lot i'm like dude even 40 dollars is a lot but there's really mm-hmm. no difference in the parking anyway 
I had friends that went to LA last night that had pre-bought their parking passes on Ticketmaster and they were $77. Jesus. Un-fucking-real. And SoFi, which is where Paul played last night in LA, which is where the Super Bowl was, I saw the Stones there last fall and parking was a nightmare. I mean, it, it just, that kind of killed it for me. I didn't go last night for a lot of reasons, but I sort of never planned to go to LA because SoFi is such a clusterfuck. The parking there is egregious and it's a pain in the ass. Uh, like I walked a mile, not even exaggerating, maybe more than that uh, for parking for the stones. And it was just a nightmare. It kind of ruined my whole fucking night. I'm not going to lie. So it's like, yeah, like it is a part of going to a concert. Parking has always been a bear, but it's this, it just seems particularly bad. This go around, I think, but moving on to the show itself. So we talked a little bit about the set list. Um, I'm going to dig into it a little bit because I was very lucky. And the first night and second night in Oakland, slightly different set lists. The first night, I believe he played We Can Work It Out, which I loved because I love that song. And second night he played in place of that. He played I've Just Seen a Face. Also amazing. No bones about those. Like, great, Paul. They can stay. Love it. As far as getting into the newer stuff, he played Fuh You both nights. Loved it. Awesome. Thought it was great. Had a great time. And then he trotted out two from the new album. Uh, He played new one night and then he replaced it with Queenie Eye the second night. Also amazing. <laughs> so excited. And by new, you mean 2013's album called New, not the newest yeah. album, McCartney 3. Not McCartney Sorry. 3, yeah. Uh, he did play for McCartney 3. He, he played Come On To Me, which I was just like, oh. Mm. It's like, you know, but honestly, I would take Come On To Me over fucking like yesterday, which he did not play. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> that's amazing that he that of all of the usual standby songs that's the one that he cut yeah i'm kind of speechless because yesterday fits so nicely right in the pocket of that like acoustical set he does when he like raises up from the stage which was not that long i think that was only like two songs i think he did here today and he did um blackbird blackbird yeah i think that was it on that big platform so hmm. yesterday usually goes right in there I don't love Yesterday. I've never loved that song. But I understand why people want to hear it. Obviously, it's like Paul's most famous song of all time. I would have probably left that in and taken out a handful of other tracks. I would have too. I mean, especially what we just talked about, about his set list being geared toward not us. Right. You know, all of the people who are not us are probably dying to hear Hey Jude, Yesterday, Blackbird, Let It Be. You know what I mean? So... That totally. is kind of an egregious omission if it was my first and only time ever seeing Paul. I think I can do without Let Me Roll It or <gasps> Letting Go. Oh. oh, Letting Go. Absolutely. Goodbye. Like, I mean, I enjoyed the horn bays, which I call them those, those three cuties who play the horns now with Paul, the hot city horns or whatever. But no, Let Me Roll It. Come on. You got to have Let Me Roll It. Like, I fucking love that song. <laughs> That for me is like the quintessential seeing Paul live song. Really? It's not for yeah. me. The what one is yours? Jet, which he got rid of. I, yeah, totally. I was just thinking about that this morning. I'm like, why didn't he do Jet? He hasn't done Jet <laughs> for like five years now. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Jet is like a total live song. But let me roll it. I, I do love me some let me roll it for sure. Well, we can agree to disagree on this one. I could hear a substitute for that and be happy. 
And I know Mr. Kite is not your favorite. Oh, God, Mr. <laughs> Kite. I don't understand. I'm very glad he didn't do Magical Mystery Tour. There are a couple songs he's played over the years, over the 20 years where I've seen him, where I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what fever dream did you wake up from? And you're like, I got to add Mr. Kite to my set list because... <laughs> and also, so along with the Mr. Kite thing, he trots out the same stories all the time. I took video of him telling some of these stories because I was like, Paul has really started to buy into the legend. This is why I don't rely on Paul for factual information anymore. And I haven't for a long time when we research our episodes or just in general, because it's like, I feel like when you live the legend so long, it gets blurred in your head. For example, he was talking about George Martin before they did love me do. And they're a little like acoustic set. He talked about George Martin. He talked about going to Abbey Road Studios and everybody cheered, whatever. And I was just sort of like, and I don't know if he does that because that's what people know the studios as, but I'm sort of standing there in my little like Beatles historian hat on. I'm like, it was EMI Studios. Paul wasn't Abbey Road until the 70s when it was going to close down. They had to rebrand it. Like, oh my God. (laughs) And I get it. Maybe that's just me being fucking whatever. But I'm like, did you raise your hand? Like, excuse me, uh, excuse me, Paul. (laughs) I I whipped out my megaphone and I interrupted the whole concert <laughs> to correct his ass. <laughs> oh my god! If I, if we see him again, I should make a fucking sign for when he says that. Be like, excuse me, <laughs> it was in my studios. Oh my god! <laughs> you will officially be the most insufferable person in the Beatles fandom. <laughs> congratulations everything because i was surrounded by men so that's insane let's smash that patriarchy i love it right that's how we do it we're gonna be the fucking assholes at these paul shows (laughs) oh Oh, shit but like so during mr kite whatever he starts telling the story about john and the poster and blah 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 waybridge and i'm like do I believe that actually happened? Maybe. Maybe John had that poster. It's been sort of like kind of confirmed historically. It's like every time he tells a story, it's like, did you read this in the Beatles anthology? Or did you read this in like a Mark Lewis book? Like, <laughs> it's just, I don't, I don't buy the legend so much. Like the Beatles story is stuff of legend. It reads like a movie. It's whatever. But like, also, I do think that Paul sort of like has leaned into the legend so much on so many of the stories he tells that they're just not true anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm off base. Well, sure. I mean, it's probably the same premise where, you know, if you listen to a lot of true crime, they talk about how people start believing false confessions or, you know, how memory is very fungible in a lot of ways. And you can really confabulate things based on what people told you happened, regardless of whether you remember it. Even if you were actually there, even if you were Paul McCartney recording that day, and it's been in your head that it's been an Abbey Road, you start picturing that it was an Abbey Road, not an EMI, because a memory is a re-recall of the memory itself. And that's how memories change over time. So I would assume that it's not intentional in any way, but he's just believed his own stories. And for these shows, which if you've seen enough of them, you know that it's almost like seeing a play or a Broadway musical in that the script is the same and the songs are the same Mm -hmm. and the order is the same and what happens is the same. So maybe he has other memories that aren't quite so off of the reality, but once he wrote it into a story that he could tell on stage, it just became codified in his mind. Yes, I think you are 100% correct on that. And I also think like, 
he trots out the Jimi Hendrix stuff all the time, which I would rejoice if he would just not. <laughs> um, but, you know, he loves to tell the story about Jimmy got Sergeant Pepper and learned it and played it. And then he guitar went out of tune and Eric clapped, you know, all the whole thing we've heard a million times. And people like lose their fucking mind over it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because it calls up so many other icons, obviously, of that era. And, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Paul obviously plays that lovely guitar solo thing in tribute to Jimi, which I like because it demonstrates that Paul still is a fucking insane guitar player. But it's like, yeah, like, I'm sure that happened, but it's become such a legendary tale at this point. It's like, oh, just put it away, dude. But again, these shows are not for us. I know this is <laughs> this is totally reminding me and I like if, if you're a more casual fan and you enjoy all that absolutely like we're not here to put the kibosh on that like have your fun like I, I'm not saying I didn't have fun with these shows I loved every second of it this is just our critique of how it could be better <laughs> yes yes you know I didn't love hearing come on to me so much loved hearing him do women and wives that was amazing it's great for his voice. Mm -hmm. That whole like tribute to lead belly thing that he's doing fits yes. him so well right now. Yeah. It's so good. I wish he would have maybe done like kiss of Venus in that little acoustic raised mm. upset. That would have been really cool. You know, there are a couple of tracks from McCartney three. I thought would have been really nice to hear another thing he didn't, that was sort of new for this tour because it was sort of uh, in the wake of get back was he did a lot of the sort of, you know, rooftopy stuff. He did get back obviously with a new backdrop that recalls the colors of the get back book and the, you know, the photo shoots that we were, we're used to seeing now after November. And of course, biggest spoiler, everybody's been talking about it, which by the way, before I saw the shows, I saw the third show on the tour. I was like, I can avoid spoilers. No problem. I was not going on Twitter. I was avoiding stuff on Facebook. This got spoiled for me about half an hour after people started posting shit. And I was so <laughs> upset. Obviously, Peter Jackson had jerry-rigged John's vocal from I've Got a Feeling from the Rooftop show. And he and Paul duetted on that with the footage of John singing in the background. I thought it was lovely. I know a lot of people were very moved by it. I just thought it was really cool. I thought that was a great, great move on both Paul and Peter Jackson's part. You know who doesn't like it, though? Who? Rusty Anderson lost oh, his yeah, part. No. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I was thinking that. I'm like, yeah. I was actually, I was actually watching Rusty at one point during it. I'm like, you fucking hate this that you do. It's like, no. you don't get to do this anymore, buddy. <laughs> I want to be there the day <laughs> that Paul. You know, it's, I don't even know. Maybe it's a phone call where it's like, guess what we get? Guess what we got, guys? It's gonna be rad. We're gonna have John singing with me. Uh, I've got a feeling and just rusty, like, just like, <laughs> just being like, oh, cool. He walked off like George in oh. Get Back. <laughs> he did. He went home to Liverpool. He was like, I'm out. He and Abe had to have a serious conversation about how to get him back. <laughs> I know. Rusty had a little tanty. He, I, I mean, like, rightfully so. Like, well, I don't know. It's John Lennon. You can't really fucking play with that, but... <laughs> Yeah, sure. This is all it. our fan fiction. Rusty Anderson is just fine. He didn't have a tantrum. This is our headcanon. It's it's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Um, no, I, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, Peter Jackson put together some cuts, too, that they projected behind the band when they played Get Back and some of the Let It Be era shit, which was just cool. I was surprised there was not a little bit more considering how popular 
get back was and how recent it was. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I can only imagine it might have been expensive or time consuming, but I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Like you said, Erica, maybe it's a pain in the ass to replace some of the graphic content. It's not like he's never done Two of Us or The Long and Winding Road in these shows. Yeah. He could have most definitely substituted out. I don't know. Maybe I'm amazed. Yes, I would have been down with that. He was fine on like half of Maybe I'm Amazed, but then he starts to try to do the fucking screamo part and the wheels fall off. So maybe it's time to take it out. So many others. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me that he would take out Yesterday and leave in Maybe I'm Amazed because it's like, yes, it's a huge fucking song for you, but also... It's not, it's not good for your voice, Paul. Yeah. I mean, that brings me to another point that you made is that you found a distinct lack of Linda. Maybe, maybe (sighs) I'm amazed was the only real representation of her anymore in the show. I was a little bit like devastated. I don't, I don't want to say devastated. That's too big of a word, but I was very surprised because obviously he does my Valentine, which I hate. You like that song, but I'm like, I do. Um, (laughs) Which is for Nancy. uh, it's for Nancy, obviously. And she, he mentions Nancy and he's always like, oh, she's in the house tonight. And everybody like looks around them. I'm like, she's not in the audience. Are you kidding me? Obviously, when he was married to Heather, he would do all the driving rain stuff, which we'll never hear again. I'm so sad. <laughs> I had like a, a little bit of a mournful moment when I had that realization this past week. But like usually he'll say, you know, I wrote this for my wife, Linda, or my, you know, my former wife or whatever. And people go crazy. I was carrying my Linda tote bag that I got from the museum in Liverpool that did the uh, Linda McCartney retrospective. And I was just like, I was so bummed. There was one photo of her, which is during the montage of like moms and their kids during Lady Madonna, which, you know, there's also a photo of Nancy and her kids. It's like, he didn't even say Linda. I don't know. It really upset me. <laughs> that really is very upsetting. Her. Right? Like, I'm not crazy, right? Like, I, I understand she's been gone for, like, gosh, how long? Like, 20 years? No. No, not 20 years. What? Wait. Um, yeah. Yeah. 20, yeah 20, 23, 25 years? 1998? Yeah. Wow. Damn. Okay. 24 years. But that doesn't matter. I know. I've been saying the show is not for us, but... Even the people who are not us, they know who she is. And whenever Stella talks about her influences or Mary, she has a new cooking show recently and they always talk about Linda. And there was a new Linda cookbook that came out this past year. It's not like she's forgotten in any way. And I can't imagine Nancy would be, I could see Heather for sure being like, don't mention Linda on stage. But Nancy, I, Nancy was friends with Paul and Linda, you know, back, you know, when Linda was still alive, like they were like couple friends with Nancy and her ex-husband. So it's like, I can't imagine like where this is coming from, where he just does not mention Linda. So how does he introduce? He doesn't. Yeah. He just goes right into it. He trots himself up to the piano. And does this little like, boom, maybe I'm amazed, you know, and it's uh-huh. just nothing. Maybe if he did My Love, which, you know, our buddy Rob Sheffield will be very happy to hear that he does not do My Love. Uh, yes. In set. Uh, <laughs> but like if maybe if he did My Love, he would mention that because that's blatantly, obviously, a Linda song. But so is Maybe I'm Amazed. Yes, I totally, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, I don't like it. I don't like that either. <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me want to make a Linda sign or something if we go to fucking, you know, oh, like let's uh, do it. another show. Like I said, I have my Linda tote, like both nights. And part of me was like, I want to hold that shit up during the part where he looks at the signs because he needs to see her face. <laughs> he needs to see the face of his dead wife. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's nice. I remember. <laughs> I remember who the fuck inspired this song. We remember. We do. Everybody knows we love Linda. We talk about her a lot. All the fucking time. She's our lady forever. Does he still do the whole George thing with something? Yes, he does. He does the fucking ukulele. He tells the same fucking ukulele story. It's actually really funny because he like acts like he just remembers like, oh, <laughs> George gave me this ukulele. It's like, Paul, yes, we all know that. And you do too. <laughs> Don't act like it just sprang to your mind. It's not for us. I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry, guys. I'm like, just I'm very slap happy over this because it's just hilarious to me. Just how annoyed I am by all this. Uh, again, love Paul. Love the show. We'll see again. But yeah, of course, he does the little something intro. And I remembered watching him th- this past weekend. It's like I remember him doing that in 2002, right after George died. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge deal. Huge deal. He had that ukulele and was playing it. And then the band goes into something with the full band, which is, I still think, really chilling for me. I love that moment when it transitions from the ukulele into the full band. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. And another shout out to the band because they, I think Abe like doubles his vocal on something and it sounds like insanely beautiful every time but yeah he still does that and he obviously mentions john when he does here today and he tells stories about the quarrymen during his little like shack set <laughs> they mm-hmm. call it. it was actually hilarious though because he starts off talking about the quarrymen and he's like you know there were five of us and we made this demo and we decided like each of us would keep it for a week he's told the story before in the press but this is one of his newer stories he's developed for this this set And he's like, you know, there was me and there was John and there was George and there was Colin. And then somebody screamed for Colin and he sort of side-eyed them. And he's like, you're screaming for Colin. And it was so, (laughs) so funny. That's amazing. And I, I lost it. I thought that was the funniest thing where he's just like, you're screaming for Colin. (laughs) Totally (laughs) off script. So good. (laughs) I'm like, damn, savage. I love it. And then he tells the story of where, like, you know, they each kept it for a week and then Duff, the drummer, kept it for 20 years. And I'm like, damn, he should have shaded Duff. Like, what? Like, what's he shading Colin for having a fan? (laughs) So funny. So that was like, yeah, that was a highlight for sure. You know, that's the thing about Paul and, and, and the stage banter and his stories and everything. Like, I understand what he's trying to do and give like a, a the same experience to anybody seeing for the first time but he's so fucking funny off the cuff oh my god totally you know he's witty and he's very sharp he's yeah. hilarious he doesn't need to be that scripted there are people who are very wooden and unfunny if they go off their script he's not that and he yeah. is better and livelier and more entertaining when for example, he's telling his story about his perfect bagel, and I know you hate it, but oh it's my god, I can't hilarious. talk about the bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about the bagel. <laughs> I don't think we've recorded since that bagel thing came out, or did, or did it come out before? I think I don't we remember. mentioned we might have mentioned it once, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's everybody. It's crazy how many people have mentioned that damn bagel to me, like over the past like four <laughs> months or whatever. It's yeah. But no, totally. And we saw that too over the pandemic when he was doing these great, like, lengthy interviews, like the one I think he did with like GQ or something that came out um, mm-hmm. while he was in Rockdown. Yeah, or the Instagram lives he was doing when he was promoting McCartney oh, yeah. 3. Yeah, and these awesome stories were coming out and he was just being really candid and it was beautiful, you know, when he was recording that album. And 
that makes it a little bit more heartbreaking that he sort of goes back to the same three or four stories that he loves to tell live that seem accessible to everybody. And might I remind everybody that he wrote a book that weighs eight pounds that tells all the stories of his songs. <laughs> it's not like they don't exist. Yeah, with his blessing. exactly. Like they're, they're around. He could he could tell other stories, but uh, again, yeah. same experience for everybody. I guess, but it would be cool. I mean, even first timers, I think, would enjoy a Paul McCartney story, no matter what it is, you know, and mm-hmm. if it's something and like I was talking to somebody about, you know, him in the Jimi Hendrix story and they're like, well, you know, it's Paul McCartney talking about Jimi Hendrix. I think it's fine. And I was like, okay, but I'm sure he has more than one Jimi Hendrix story. You know, it's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing they probably met a few times, you know, yeah. they had a lot to bond over there, both left-handed guitarists. Like there's a lot to go, you know, a lot to kind of like unpack there. There were Eskimo brothers. What? Oh yeah. Shit. They were, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, guys, that means Linda dated Jimmy, which she did. So, I mean, Linda got it. She was, I love it. I love that for her. But yeah, so I, yeah, like open up your own book, Paul. Let's, let's hear some other, other stories. I'm glad he didn't like talk about Let It Be though. That would have just put me over the edge. (laughs) I think if he would have told the Mother Mary James Corden story again. That's one thing he never intros that, which is nice. He didn't talk a whole lot during the show. Like he, he talked an appropriate amount you know, as far as the stories go, but he really was sort of like going song to song, which he, and he's never really done anything differently. It's, it's the same kind of setup as he's done for 20 years. One thing that I was shooketh, shooketh about, <laughs> and I do not use that word lightly. He took a motherfucking sip of water on stage both nights. About fucking time. Yeah, I know. I Because that has been such a big thing. The first night, I was sitting next to this family who, it's a dad and I were talking, and he saw Paul at Candlestick, the last pick at the stick. But I think his kids were there, his parents were there, and his, his wife was there, and I don't think any of them had seen Paul. And like the kids are really cute. Like They were like teenagers. They were losing their shit over like every song, which is really fun. And Aww. the boy had like a Paul t-shirt, and so that was really really fun to sort of like see them enjoy themselves you know the dad and i were talking and i'm like yeah you know he doesn't take a break there's no intermission and he doesn't take a sip of water and it's like crazy and then like five six songs into it his guitar tech comes out with his next guitar and a bottle of water and paul takes a swig and i was like what oh my god like it just blew my mind and i was texting with a friend of mine who was also in the audience and we were both like oh my god the sip what happened is he okay (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and so so sunday i was like prepared i was like and i sort of remembered where it happened but it didn't happen then it happened in the middle of like the shack set i got it on video because i was like i have to get this yeah, I texted my friend and I was like, it happened again. <laughs> it's just crazy. It was nuts. I've never seen him. And since then, people on my Facebook, because I posted the video on my Facebook page, they were like, oh, yeah, I saw him take a sip at like this really hot show in Chicago when he played like Wrigley Field or something. And it was like, yeah, 100 degrees or whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen him take a sip. Have you? I have. And I remember that at least one time I saw him, he had a bottle of water next to the piano. So he took a sip. Really? He reached under real quick and took a sip before doing one of the piano songs. I think it was like Philly in like 2011. It was a long time ago. Like it was it was a while back. But I do remember it being like 
wow, I've seen something very new in this show. That's crazy. I just have to bring this up, though. Not taking water while performing. That is not a badge of honor. That's not good for you. No. Anybody who performs any anything or public speaking, water is good for you. It does not make you look weak. It doesn't it extends your quality and ability to perform. Good for Paul for yeah. finally starting to do it. I know that it's always been like, oh, he goes three hours without taking a sip. Well, that's not that's not good for you. Don't do that. No, it's like nobody would ever fault him. I mean, I would be very happy if he had a bottle of water up there yes. on his little, you know, on the ledge in front of Abe's drum or whatever. I mean, I just took a sip of water right now. I'm I'm weaker than Paul. I don't care. <laughs> I'm all for good vocal health. And, you know, with everybody talking about his voice all the time, that's one of the best things. Yes, water, do it. Drink your water. <laughs> I mean, the first night I was dying. I wish I had bought some water. So I bought some the second night. I'm like, I don't understand how he's up there. Like, like given I was wearing my mask, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I was begging the vendors after the show. They were like closing up. I'm like, please, please, please. I will give you like a $10 bill. Please give me a bottle of water. <laughs> I just don't understand how he does it. It's just it's insane especially as the tour progresses because then he hits like stadiums outside like the shows that we might go to on the east coast you know it, it might mm-hmm. be hot fucking drink water paul come on this is not a sign of weakness this is a good thing stay hydrated and then wrapping up the show because i think you know kind of covered everything i could think of at the moment but the, <laughs> i gotta say the bootleg t-shirt vendors in the parking lot were um kind of crazy so there was a t-shirt that was trotted around in a couple different configurations, a couple different images or whatever, but it had Paul McCartney, 1942 to 2022. What? <laughs> and I, did I not tell you this? No. Oh my God. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so my friend Alex got one and we'll share his image. He posted it on his Instagram. We'll share it on our socials so you guys can see it. It is insane. I, like when I saw it, I was speechless. I was waiting for my lift and the guy walked past me and I just was like, I, my jaw dropped. <laughs> I could not believe it. And then I started laughing because that's obviously my response to everything. It's just a laugh. I mean, that's fucking hideous. <laughs> it's crazy town. And I, I was totally going to buy one just for shits and giggles the second night, but I couldn't find one I liked. But I'll be damned. They all had the fucking dates on them. And I'm like, are you guys really doing this? Like, are you for real right now? I want to know which bootleg t-shirt guy was like, guys, I got it. Here's what we're going to do. Oh my God. We're going to preempt this. <laughs> we're going to bet. We're going to take a gamble on this. And uh, yeah. Like, do they do that for Billy Joel? Like, like, do they do that for fucking like, I don't know, Rod Stewart? Like, I don't understand. I would guess that that wasn't their intention, that their intention was like the legacy celebrating of his McCartney, career, like, like celebrating his 80th birthday, like something more <laughs> commemorative than a sick fucking morbid t-shirt that I would take somebody out if I found them making. Right. Like uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, yeah, I, I tried to buy one, but just to fucking troll it, but no dice on that. No, you can't have that in your house. Like you have that in your house. You have to burn it with fire. It's definitely cursed. I'm texting you right now a photo of the shirt that my friend Alex bought, which otherwise is an acceptable bootleg t-shirt. Look at that fucking shirt. The fuck? (laughs) For context, guys, it has Paul McCartney at the top, then 1942 to 2022, 
three pictures of Paul. One is the get back photo that's on all the get back or sorry, the got back posters and all that. Another one is what? That's like a couple years old, right? In the middle. Like it's still yeah. a Mac up. Mm-hmm. And then there's Beetle Paul on this other side. Then it has a signature and it says got back on the bottom. <laughs> sorry, this is fucking crazy. Like trying to revive Paul is dead. Ooh, maybe maybe they're just truthers. I didn't have that thought, but it could be. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was a, that was a highlight. Uh, but I did end up spending a hundred dollars at the merch booth. So you got me there, Paul. You got me. I'm glad you bought one that celebrates his life and not his not true passing. Yes, that's I know. Especially after seeing this this almost eighty year old man rock the fucking stage for three hours, it's like, oh, this is a this is a big gamble on y'all's part. He still got it, that's for sure. So, spoiler free review. Obviously, go see it. I mean, I wouldn't expect too much from the set list if you successfully avoided all the spoilers so far. But it's what you want from a Paul show, I guess, because as we've learned through this episode, it's hashtag not for us. So. <laughs> It's, uh, it's good for it's good fun at all levels of Paul fandom. It is. And the point is not to see recording worthy versions of your favorite Beatles classics. That's not the reason you go. Expect that his voice sounds like his voice sounds right now, which is totally fine. But also expect that you are going to be in the room with Paul McCartney for three hours. Mm-hmm. He still does sing very well many of the songs he's still a top-notch fucking musician and especially if he goes off the cuff he's funny as fuck so it's it's a great time absolutely so definitely worth it definitely go see paul and uh yeah another news we're back yay so we have new stuff coming up we're planning out a really fun season, mostly based right now around tours, Paul tours, other tours, uh, just playing off the theme of, of our Got Back Summer Tour. I love that. We'll have some fun things. Yes. Well, for now, thank you so much for listening to BC The Beatles. And as Erica said, in the vein of the Got Back Tour extravaganza, next time we'll be talking about Paul in Russia. I'm very excited. And we'll have a very special interview, probably a bonus episode, with a really fun source who is actually on the uh, Paul and Russia tour, at least in Moscow. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, until then, please, please follow us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Stream us on Spotify, etc. And please give us a rating and review so other uh, people like us can find us. Yes. And also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be posting photos and more from this episode and beyond maybe even a really morbid bootleg tour t-shirt <laughs> you can count on it <laughs> yes and remember you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com too see you next time All right, bye, bye.